Welcome to the day after the election. What was it? Was it a red trickle? Was it a red wave? Was it a blue tsunami? We'll get into all the possibilities here in just a minute. Which kind of water-based phenomenon can we name it after? We'll tell you in just a couple of minutes. But before we get there, we're getting to all the results and tell you exactly what is going on, where we stand in the Senate, and everything else. But before we do that, going to announce right now, in just a few weeks, we are going to have yet another Power Hour. Yes, it's the Christmas Party Power Hour coming in just a few weeks. If you want a way to forget this election cycle, this is a great way to do it because I don't remember anything for like a month on either side of one of these events. It's fantastic. The Studios America 2022 Christmas Party Power Hour. It's coming up in December and you can be here in studio with us, hanging out and doing terrible things uh, to your organs internally. Uh, or you can just watch and laugh at us. Just head over to stewdoespowerhour.com, stewdoespowerhour.com. Drop in your email, and we will keep you updated on how you can join our live studio audience for the Studios America 2022 Christmas Party Power Hour. Stew Does America. Blaze.tv.com slash midterms is the place to go. You can get 30 bucks off right now with the promo code midterms. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video right now. It was great hanging out with you last night to the wee hours of the morning. I think we went to about 2 a.m. Eastern time, giving you extended coverage past the hours and hours of coverage we did on uh, Blaze TV. If you were one of the I don't know, tens of thousands that joined us uh, yesterday uh, over on YouTube, we do appreciate it. If you're new to the program, thank you so much for hanging out. We're going to go through all the results today here in just a second. Glenn Beck is also going to be here for some sleep-deprived election discussion. But we're going to kick it off. By doing election 2022, the day after. I'll start by telling you I'm really freaking tired. It's been a long, seemingly unending day. And it started out with some really good news in Florida. And it got a little bit worse and then a lot worse. And then kind of has settled in this weird, I don't know, purgatory. Where are we right now? Uh, we don't even know that the House is settled. We don't know that the Senate is settled. The, some of the biggest races we talked about for months and months and months aren't yet settled. We don't know where we are. We can't figure out how to count votes. Only Florida can do it. Florida is the only place that can do it. The place that was literally known for being the worst state in the union when it came to election policies. Uh, does anybody remember hanging chads in the year 2000? And somehow they actually acted off of that moment and have updated their uh, laws for a long time. Uh, after that, uh, several different times uh, throughout the years, and now are the gold standard for counting votes. How did, how did this all happen? We live in a weird freaking country and in a weird time. So let's go through some of the Senate races. Uh, let me give you a quick reminder of where my predictions were. I'm not going to hide from my predictions. My predictions were tad optimistic. Uh, here they are from the Senate, and you can kind of look through uh, the list here if you'd like to. We'll go through all of these races here, at least the ones that were competitive. I can tell you by the end of this, um, we're going to either go somewhere between 34 and 30 for 35 or 31 for 35. Somewhere between 31 and 34, we got right of the 35 races. But let's go through uh, a bunch of these uh, as they get settled. Uh, start off in Washington. It was Patty Murray against uh, Tiffany Smiley. We were, uh, I like Tiffany Smiley a lot. She did a good job in this race. Some of the polling showed this to be really close. 
I wound up putting this in the Democratic column in my prediction show, and this one wound up being not as close as expected. 57-43 for Patty Murray. Over to Colorado. This is another reach race for uh, for Republicans. If a wave happened, maybe you get to Colorado. I didn't think it was going to go that far, and it did not. 55-43. to 43. Uh, Bennett wins that one by 12. Larger margins in both of those states than the polls showed. Uh, Maggie Hassan, or Hassan. I've been saying Hassan for years. I've heard a million people say Hassan. Now I'm told it's supposed to be Hassan. I don't know. I, I don't really like to change. I'm getting old. Maybe I'll just go with Hassan. Just to screw with her. I don't know. Anyway, she wound up winning. Yay! Good job there, Maggie. Uh, 54-45, nine-point margin. Uh, over to, uh, this is the, the one race that, I've, that has been called that I got wrong so far. And why did I get it wrong? Because I had faith in humanity. And I've learned an important lesson here, boys and girls. Never have faith in humanity, especially if the humanity you're talking about is in the state of Pennsylvania. John Fetterman, somehow, with a, a goiter the size of the state and uh, in the middle of a stroke in every single speech, beat some guy who's been on television for 30 years talking about more frequent bowel movements. What an incredible race that was, and I hope we never have to think about it again. Uh, that's a four-point margin there, and uh, that one is just... I, why, why even, why turn the lights on in the state? You know what? Get a little carve out for Lincoln Financial Field and then toss the rest of the state out, I don't know, into the, into the atmosphere or something. Really, that's all you need to do. Um, Marco Rubio, he won in a big way, uh, 58 to 41. The big story here, really, Marco Rubio not getting all that much credit. It's kind of rough for for Marco. He won in a big way. He deserves credit for a big win. But really, the attention going on Ron DeSantis, who is seen as the guy who kind of carried uh, the Republican movement in the state. And that's going to be a conversation we're going to be having for two more years, two years, uh, basically, from now uh, about Ron DeSantis. So we're going to leave that one for a little bit later. Uh, let's see, Eric Schmidt in Missouri. We've, we've liked uh, Schmidt from the beginning. That one was kind of close at the start. No one knew it was going to go on in that primary, but Eric Schmidt in Missouri wins pretty easily over Trudy Bush Valentine, 55 to 42. Pretty accurate uh, with the polls there. Uh, Mike Lee. Yeah, Mike Lee. He won, everybody. Evan McMullen, the experiment. Uh, did not, uh, just didn't pan out for them. In fact, right now we have it at a 17-point margin. I think it's going to wind up probably closer to 20 by the end of it. But Mike Lee, in a, in a race, this is a big experiment by the Democrats. Put out a guy who's basically a Democrat, but call him an independent. See what happens. Maybe the voters will be really dumb and, and fall for it. Some of them did. I mean, this is closer than this race should be, but not really close at the end of the day. Next up, we go to J.D. Vance. You know, Ohio has turned into a pretty red state, and J.D. Vance uh, wound up winning. Now, Mike DeWine and the gubernatorial ballot went even farther. He won, you know, running away. But J.D. Vance, in what was a real toss-up race at one point in this campaign, beat Tim Ryan pretty easily, 53-47. Ted Budd is another senator over in North Carolina, another race that was a toss-up earlier in the summer. Wound up coming back to Ted Budd in a relatively close race uh, over uh, Sherilyn uh, Beasley, uh, 51 to 47, a four-point margin there. We go to, now we're getting, getting to the real toss-ups. This one was called uh, Very, Very Late and was actually closer than I would say I expected. Uh, polling errors in Wisconsin have been notoriously terrible, and most of the time they make Republicans look worse than they actually do when voting begins. The reverse this time. 
this is what happens. Uh, uh, Ron Johnson won up winning uh, over Mandela Barnes, a radical opponent. Uh, but the final uh, was really about one point uh, was that margin. So very, very close. One of the late, last races called. We had that as a Republican race. Uh, and uh, we, we will see, uh, you know, what this means for polling. I think one of the interesting parts about this, when you, when you kind of look back at this race, and if you're a, a polling nerd, one of the things you've realized over the past couple of cycles is that this particular region, you know, Ohio's sort of in this boat as well, uh, Michigan, um, somewhat Minnesota, uh, certainly Wisconsin, I would say Wisconsin's the biggest example of states where polling underestimated Republican turnout. Republicans were able to come out uh, and and beat the polls year after year after year. Well, you know, polling companies want money and they have they are incentivized to try to get these things right. Now, there are some polling outfits that are just trying to manipulate the race and tell you that Democrats are better or Republicans are better, uh, doing better than they thought. Those companies exist. But the, generally speaking, the, 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 the quality pollsters are trying to get these things right. They're just incapable of it. It's hard. I mean, it is. They're getting a 0.4% uh, response rate at this point. So it's really hard to do this. So each year or two, they start correcting, uh, attempting to correct what went wrong the last time. And there was different adjustments they've made for education and, and different demographic uh, changes. And the question is, one of these years, they were probably going to get it right and maybe even overcorrect. That might have been what happened here in uh, in Wisconsin, where they they pretty much nailed this. It was a you know, three or three or four point race. Uh, and it wound up being a one or two point race at the end. So pretty close to nailing it uh, in Wisconsin. Now, that gets you to 48 seats for Republicans, as you may know. To get, have control of the Senate, you need 51 because of the whole 50-50 tie. Tie goes to the administration and Kamala Harris gets to waddle on in and, you know, I don't know what the hell she's going to do. Probably blab about school buses for 15 minutes and then cast the, the deciding vote. So you got to get to 51. How do you do it? Well, the 49th will likely, will definitely come from Alaska. Now, Alaska has not been called yet. That's because it's Republican on Republican violence uh, in Alaska. So you've got Murkowski going up against Chewbacca. Uh, Chewbacca is the, uh, not the Wookiee, but the, uh, the Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate going up against Lisa Murkowski, obviously famously moderate, pro-choice, voted for impeachment, all those things. Now, you're going to get a Republican out of that, we think, unless she changes parties, which is always an option. The question, though, is will Chewbacca win, which would probably be a lot better for you if you're a conservative or Lisa Murkowski. That one's still up in the air. I think Murkowski's probably going to wind up winning that, although it's very, very close. No way you can call that at this point. Um, So that leaves us with three races left. Republicans have to win two of them. That's where the control of the Senate lies as I uh, uh, tape this tonight. And uh, let me give you the the case uh, of what we have here, and I'll give you the case for the Republicans um, winning the Senate. Right now, you have in Arizona, uh, Mark Kelly versus Blake Masters. Now, this race has been very, very tight, and the polling had showed it go all the way up to tied and even a couple of leads for Masters by small margins. Right now, uh, Masters is behind by five points. You might say, okay, five points isn't even all that close. And I will, granted, that's, that is true. However, the way Arizona uh, counts the vote is different than some of the other states. Pennsylvania does it like they take all of the um, day of voting and they start counting that first. And then the early vote comes, get, begins to get counted. And if you remember this pattern from when uh, Donald Trump 
was in 2020 running for president and he opened up a lead and it looked like he was going to win Pennsylvania. And then all the late vote came in and it switched the other side. Now, I know, you know, obviously people have all sorts of theories on why that happened and what went on during that period. But that generalized effect was something very much known. In fact, we talked about it uh, the night before the election something to expect. This is what how this vote gets counted. So you'll see uh, Democrats, uh, Republicans get off to a lead and then Democrats chip away at it. Will they be able to get all the way back in Pennsylvania in 2020? They did. But people don't remember Arizona was the opposite. Donald Trump was getting killed in Arizona at the beginning and he kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away because they re- they count it in reverse. They take the early vote and count that first, which favors Democrats. They get out to a big lead and then the Republican vote comes in, that, which is usually day of vote, chips away, chips away, chips away and it gets closer and closer and closer. In that race in 2020, it got within, what is it, 10,000 votes or something before the state was called. We all remember Fox News calling that race really early. Well. This is happening now in Arizona once again. The rules, the laws are the same there. They're doing it the same way. And Masters, last night I was on doing the coverage uh, last night, and we were talking about Blake Masters being down by 17 points at one point. Now it's been narrowed to five. It's going to continue to narrow. Now, there's a couple things that are interesting about this. Uh, New York Times does projections based on the vote. We went over this a little bit last night if you were watching the coverage. Basically, they say, okay, we know what the count is now. And we can get a good sense as to where the vote is coming from and what that means for a final vote total. And we're going to attempt to project what the final vote total is. They did try to do that, and they did it all the way up until 4 a.m., which is when they cut off their projections and they don't do anymore. At 4 a.m., their final projection for, uh, for this Masters race was Masters to lose to Mark Kelly by 2.8 points. That number is really important to remember because... If you go over to the gubernatorial side here, which is the Kerry Lake race, the entire night we've seen a split between Kerry Lake and Blake Masters of about four points. Lake has been running four points ahead of Masters. If Masters were to lose and that projection was right by 2.8 points, that would mean that Kerry Lake would win on the gubernatorial side by about a point or or a little bit over that. Uh, Right now, we see the split at 3.8 points between Kelly uh, and uh, and Hobbs. Hobbs is winning over Lake by 0.2, where Kelly is beating Masters by four points. If all the, there's about two thirds of the vote is in so far. If all this holds up, you would expect Kerry Lake to have a good chance to squeak by and become governor of Arizona. So we will see if that holds up. And it's not time to count out Blake Masters yet. He could still close this to even more. He could even win it. So it's not being called yet. But that's just one of the three races that the Republicans have left to play with. They need to win two of the three. That is the least likely of the three for the Republicans to win in the Senate. Next up is Nevada. Nevada is really, really close. Right now, the Republican, Adam Laxalt, leads Catherine Cortez Masto by about three points. Now, in this race, Laxalt is running about two points behind the Republican gubernatorial candidate. And so they're pretty close, but that two-point gap might be the difference between winning and losing in this race. About two-thirds of the vote is uh, in. And... uh, and to give you kind of a sense of, of where this thing lies, it is pretty close to a toss-up. It's hard to know, really, where this is going to go. We expect that three-point lead for the Republican to narrow more as more vote is, votes are counted. We'll, of course, keep you updated as we get more information. And then finally, 
remember, you got to win two out of three, Arizona, Nevada, and the last one is Georgia. Georgia, we do have a result from election night. And that result is, well, we don't know. know. Let's try it again. Let's see what happens. They've got a runoff system in Georgia. So Herschel Walker will not get to 50%. Neither will Raphael Warnock. Warnock, by the way, is slightly ahead in the race by about a point, but he's not going to be able to get to 50. Because he can't get to 50, there will be a runoff on December 6th. If Republicans win Nevada, which is going to be close, and lose Arizona, which is also going to be close, but probably you know the most likely outcomes, you have a situation where everything for control of the Senate will come down once again to a runoff in Georgia. Now, last time it was all the way in January. This time it's December 6th, so there's less time. It's a little bit more of a compressed schedule. But can you imagine what it's going to be like living in Georgia with the entire Senate on the line yet again? One race... One race. Uh, and it's interesting. A lot of people are saying, well, I don't know. Can can uh, Herschel Walker win without the help he got from uh, Brian Kemp, who was on the ticket and did very well and kind of helped him along a little bit is the theory. There's a lot of split voters in this particular race. Uh, I don't know. But honestly, at this point, because of the way last night went, you'd be very happy to have the chance to have Herschel Walker potentially win a runoff election and win the Senate for the, the Republicans. Uh, So to give you a sense on these three races, again, Republicans need to win two out of three. All of them, all three, they are the slight underdog, if you believe the prediction markets. Uh, Masters has uh, only a 19% chance of winning. Uh, Walker, about one-third chance of winning. And Laxalt, about a one-third chance of winning. Both of those, or all three of those, are doable, right? If you kind of think of it this way, to give you a very crude analogy, if you, if you had a, a normal six-sided die, die and you were to spin it, you, let's just say you had to get one or two. First time, you, uh, you toss the dice, you gotta get one or two. You gotta pick it up, you gotta do it again. You gotta get one or two again. And then you gotta pick it up, and you gotta pick it up, and then that, that, that third time, you gotta get roll a one. Can you do it? I mean, if you got one hanging around, give it a whirl. It's not easy to do. But it certainly is possible, and it's one of those things that could very well happen as we go forward. That's the case for the Senate. Uh, The House is looking better for Republicans, but not great. And this one is more surprising to me, more surprising to me than the Senate, because the House is more about the vibe of the country, and Republicans just did not capture it as much as it seemed uh, they would, considering the circumstances around them. How many times over the past year or two have I said the Republicans with this president and all the historical trends should win this easily, blow out the Democrats, absolutely win the House. This should be the easiest thing in the world unless they screw it up. And it seems like that's exactly what they have done. Now, they may very well win the House. Uh, they would be the odds-on favorite. You know, to use the uh, die analogy, if you take, a, take your die, you toss it again. All you have to do is not roll a one. That's about the odds of the Republicans winning the House. It looks good, but we are depending on a lot of races out in California and the West Coast that should be winnable, but we don't have confirmation of that yet. So the House looks pretty good. Senate, uh, you know, maybe the betting markets have it at 80-20 control, basically 80% Democrats, 20% Republicans. So it's not a great, great picture for Republicans. This is a disappointing day. I don't think there's another way to, to say it. You would hope for, uh, you know, when, when you go into a race like this, right, you're looking at it and you're saying, well, 
you've got the possibility of the Democrats doing really well and overperforming and getting to 53 or 54 uh, seats. That was very possible in the Senate, uh, but didn't wind up happening. Same thing for Republicans. They could have got to 53, 54. Some people had 55 and 56. That didn't happen. Right now, it looks like Republicans will get across the finish line and do the very least that they had to do, which was come up with any way, one way, any way to block Joe Biden from doing all of this damage to the country. You can stop his worst instincts. What you can't do if you only win the House is stop a Supreme Court justice. You can't do a lot of things that, that the Senate would, would, would give you some benefit to do. Uh, but generally speaking, you can at least block the multi-trillion dollar spending packages. But I will say this to give you a little bit of optimism here at the end. There are some downsides with a red wave in this particular election. Now, I got to be honest with you. I'm, uh, this is not what I wanted going in. This is a disappointing night, but it might wind up working out better than you expect. Think about what happens if you have a, a true red wave. You've got 55 seats in the Senate. You've got 245 uh, House seats. Well, what does that mean? You still can't do anything, right? You still can't pass bills because Joe Biden's going to veto almost all of them. You still can't pass all the things. You can't get a flat tax through. And what happens is if there are negative consequences, if the, 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 uh, the seeds that we have sown grow into the flowers we expect them to be, poisonous ones that if you eat, you instantly die. If we have bad economic effects and all sorts of other things that go on over the next two years, Republicans are going to be the one getting a lot of the blame for that because they just had this big, highly uh, celebrated win. If you have a red wave, there's a really good chance that the Democrats find a way to have Joe Biden not run for president in 2024 and pick up somebody else who might be better than Joe Biden. And the other thing is that Democrats learn their lesson. They might they might understand, holy crap, we can't just come out and, you know, be doing trans, transgender TikToks two weeks before an election. We can't have we can't be cheering on men on women's uh, swimming with swimming teams. We can't do all this. We can't defund the police. We might they might learn their lesson and with this result. Hopefully you still block the worst case scenario from happening from Joe Biden, which is all you could really do if you had a red wave anyway. And then you say on top of that, well, the Democrats won't learn their lesson here. They won't learn all of this. They'll continue to do all the stuff they're doing now. And Joe Biden is now much more likely to be the nominee in 2024 if he can you know, make it there uh, physically and mentally. Uh, but even if he doesn't, he wants that job. And now he's made an argument that he intends to run in 2024. He's already saying that. And now if something goes wrong over the next couple of years, you really can't blame Republicans because, frankly, they have very little power. Maybe that's just uh, looking to try to make lemons out of lemonade. In fact, it definitely, no, it went the other way around. Lemonade out of lemons, whatever. That's what I'm doing here. I'm looking, I'm looking for some sparkle in the dust here, something positive to take from this election. It wasn't a great night, but if they can get the House, if Republicans can get the House, they at least did their minimum level job that will protect us against the worst instincts of the Biden administration. And quite frankly, at this point, it's all we can root for. If you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. And while some of the time it works out, the one thing you really cannot afford to wait on is setting up term life insurance. 
It's hard to do after you're dead. I, I mean, I, I've asked many dead people. Uh, in Halloween, I walked around and I asked every zombie I saw, I said, did you get life insurance? And they said, no, can I get it now? And I said, no, you're already dead. You, you just can't get it now. That's, that's, that's the sad part about it. If you want to choose life insurance that is actually going to help you from a high-quality company, you got to go to Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, they just answer a few questions about your health in an application. You just need a few minutes and a phone call, uh, a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's small, smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. Now, if you're a zombie and you're already dead, don't call them because that's, then that's, that's fraud in my mind. Uh, now, you, you can cancel this at any time. There's no hidden fees, and you get a full refund if you change your mind within the first 30 days. Ladder policies are insured by, uh, uh, they, these are the best. They're long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. And you can go to ladderlife.com slash stew today to see if you're instantly approved. L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash stew. Ladderlife.com slash stew. Dead people need not apply. I'm joined once again by Glenn Beck. He has a brand new special coming up tonight with incredible guests. That's really the... And you too. <laughs> You're not supposed to interrupt the intro. Oh, I'm sorry. supposed to get that out. All right. And then... Take two. Okay, thank you. Take two. Here we go. Um, uh, Glenn Beck has got a new special tonight with incredible guests. And you too. Oh, you I did it again. That's what was a mistake. I'm going to be on the panel tonight. And we're going to yeah. be talking about election and election results. Uh, but there's so much to talk about from last night. He's joining me, thankfully, on the program today. Glenn, oh, my God. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yes. It's such a. I haven't seen you in <laughs> minutes. In minutes. Full minutes. Last couple of days. It's like. I don't know. It's, it's enough. I think yeah, it is uh, enough. Well, we should probably just take off to the end yeah. of the year. At I this think point. I'm willing to and do I that. And I mean radio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the whole thing of, off. Yeah. Uh, okay. Big night last night. There's still a lot to be determined as to what is going to happen. Did Chewbacca win? That's all I want to know. <laughs> we don't know Did yet. You? We don't, we don't know. know yet. We don't know. Uh, it could be weeks until we know <laughs> if Chewbacca won uh, or Chewbacca won. I wish. I mean, I I would have liked to campaign with Chewbacca. I'm afraid to say her name. She's, the, by the way, the Alaska Senate candidate going up against Murkowski. Yeah. I'm afraid to say her name because I'm afraid I'm going to say Chewbacca every time. <laughs> I know. And then all I'm going to be thinking about. That's why you just start, embrace it. You just, you just embrace, embrace it. it. Yeah. That's right. Just yeah. You embrace the error. Yeah. That she's, you know, she she's from the planet Hoth. <laughs> Republican. <laughs> and she Hoth. wanted to go to a warmer place. Mm-hmm. So she moved to Alaska. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of races still to be determined. But like when you kind of step back, what's the narrative going to be as to what happened last night? From whom? Let's start with the right. Is there a split on the right on how this is seen? What's the lesson? Oh, yeah. Um, wait, that's those two different questions. So <laughs> how is the left? Uh, how is the right going to respond to last night? Um, there's two ways they're going to respond. Neither of them are correct. Um, that this proves Donald Trump is nothing. Right. Or this proves that Donald Trump is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither of those are are correct. The Democrats are going to look at this as a victory. And I think double down even more if our people will support us and we've done this to their lives. What won't they accept? OK. Um, and if if we win the House and the Senate, then we have a chance of of stopping 
it's a close razor thin margin. And so you've got, you know, probably the Wookiee won't win. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you'll have, you know, Mitt Romney. But you, you'll probably be able to stop the worst of the worst. Yeah, that's important. Uh, and we'll see yeah. how that plays out yeah. over the next uh, couple of days. Um, let's go to the left. Let's go to the left and the media. They're going to look at this race totally differently. They are happy today, right? I think they avoided their worst fears. Yeah. Uh, you're a, you're a, a party, uh, an opposition party in, in, a, in a mid-year election, in a midterm election. You got a president with a 41, 42 percent approval rating. Inflation's at a 40 year high. You've got wars going on. You had Afghanistan, the border, crime, CRT, all of this stuff. And you're able to keep things basically even with, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of a margin there. But it's it's they didn't they didn't get destroyed. There was no red wave, no red tsunami. Of course, of course not. You 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 only have the. You've separated this nation so much that the right listens to the right and the left listens to the left. And so they're getting all their news from, well, CNN is too too radical for them now. So I'm sure they're getting their news from MSNBC and NPR and all of that stuff. So they never hear anything that disrupts their worldview. Where we do, because we live in the real world, and we're affected by the mainstream media every day. So it, it's not as much of a problem. But I will tell you that the we didn't gain any ground and they didn't lose any ground. We didn't lose any ground. Uh, the red became redder and the blue became bluer, I think. Hmm. Um, you kind of you look at this as it as it sort of develops. And I think you can look at this as sort of in a pragmatic political sense. Who wins the Senate? Who wins the House? But I think a lot of people were looking at this as this is our chance to stand up against everything that happened during COVID, mm-hmm. everything that's happened in our schools, mm-hmm. uh, all of the you know, crazy you know, male swimmers on female swimming teams, all these crazy things we've talked about over the past couple of years. There's a thought, I think, among people on the right that there would be a, a real moment of reckoning to say, hey, this has got to stop. We're going to send a message, give a mandate to the other side to show that we can push back. And I think that's really what's disappointing a lot of people on the right watching this. Is that the right way to look at this? Um, to some degree, um, but you're self-selecting. People have self-selected where they live, and those who were, you know, really offended by what was going on, they've they moved. Um, and and you you also don't have clear leadership. You just don't have clear alternatives. You know that anybody has been proven, except. For the governor of Florida, he's proven he was proven before COVID. He was not one trick pony. Yeah, he was good before, and his poll numbers were high. In fact, I think you would know higher than they were after COVID. Yeah, he's right? a little. He, I mean, the COVID thing at some level divided a bunch of Democrats who actually liked DeSantis for the way he was governing. And that became such a divisive issue. They they, you know, fell away from him during mm-hmm. that period. I mean, his approval ratings were still very, very strong. Yeah. But he actually had higher approval ratings before COVID. Yeah. So he's not a one trick pony. Yeah. And he's consistent. He's decisive, not divisive. Now, some people will say he's divisive. Yeah. But 
that's only because when somebody is clear on where they're well, going. They, they'll tell you Mike Lee was divisive. <laughs> Mike Lee, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> they'll tell you anybody. There's some right. partisan split that's always going to happen. Correct. But, I mean, look, how divisive can a guy be when he's in a the classic swing state and wins by 20 points? He's not. He's not. And that's the lesson. If you have a clear plan uh, like uh, DeSantis did and does and moves forward every step of the way, does not hesitate, doesn't look at polls, knows what his true center is, knows what America's true center is, you will find those Democrats to join you because they actually do, many of them, still believe in the, um, the rule of law. They still believe in individual rights. There are those Democrats out there that still believe that. But why are you going to join a team that is all talk, they don't do anything, and they're wishy-washy? I mean, it really... I went out and I did my duty here in Texas because there were some other people I wanted to vote for. But Greg Abbott, he's not bad. Yeah. He's not bad. Yeah. But he's not great. He's not good. So he's interchangeable. You and These times require Churchills. They require somebody who is risking more than the voter is. Hmm. Gosh, you don't. I, that's not how I would describe most of our politicians. No, they're not risking anything. <laughs> yeah. Only Donald Trump has really risked sure. everything. Okay. He put it all on the line. I mean, he really could, and in many ways did blow up his business. Oh, yeah. Uh, over what he's done politically. Up. Yeah. Blew up his family, everything else. Where, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about Joe Biden, but Joe Biden knows he's got the DOJ and everybody else in his pocket. He's never going to really pay a price. And by the way, he's probably going to be dead within 10 years anyway. So what's going to happen. Plus, he could always go to Ukraine. Yeah. And, uh, he's got plenty of deals in China. Of deals he's got plenty there. of places yeah. to go. Yeah. Uh, let me talk to you about it, some good news. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot, spent a lot of time on a race that shouldn't have taken a lot of our time, the Mike Lee race oh, yeah. with uh, Evan McMuffin. Mm-hmm. McGilligan. Uh, McGilligan. McGilligan McMuffin. Mm-hmm. This was a, a, a new experiment from the Democrats. Run a guy who could pass off in some ways as a sort of moderate, say he's an independent instead of a Democrat, see if you can fool the voters of Utah. They, they didn't fall, fall for it. And it wasn't just what the Democrats tried to do. It was the entire establishment in Utah, including Mitt Romney. Is, so let me, yeah, Romney. And in some regards, the church. Hmm. Um, there is, just like in everybody's churches, there is a, a battle going on in the church between the left and the right. Um, and uh, while it's not, it's not really the left, it's more like the squishy Romneys right, kind of right. people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the right is, is Mike Lee. Nice guys that believe in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But the apparatus of the media, it's always been left, except for two sources, KSL and Deseret. Both of them are owned by the church, not necessarily run by the church in daily uh, operations, but they do answer to it. Mm. And they came after Mike Lee hard tried to make him into a radical, et cetera, et cetera. 
This race was so important for two reasons, especially the way it ended up. One, teach the Democrats you can't run somebody who claimed to be a Republican and claims to now be an independent and pay for it and win. We don't buy it, okay? Maybe more importantly, the way that Mike won, with all the polls showing him five, six percentage points you know, ahead, for him to win by almost 20, if not 20, um, that shows the media and shows to people in the state, you really don't have the power you used to. You People are intelligent. They know the Constitution there as far as they know which one is pulling us towards and away, uh, and they won't stand for it. And they're not hapless dupes. That This is a earthquake in Utah, an earthquake. Mm, that's really positive. Uh, and I will say, you actually went out for a candidate who wound up winning. <gasps> I never even this thought never of happens. <laughs> I've broke I've actually broken two because I was for Schmidt too. There you go. Oh my God! Well, this is this does not happen. Wow! This never happens to you. So congr- yeah. there are some positive there things. There are that some positive things. Yeah. yeah. All right, Glovebeck. Uh, the special is tonight. We're going to be doing some uh, election analysis, looking at yeah. kind of talking about the same uh, types of things, but going uh, into even more depth on your show tonight. And we are also preparing for next Wednesday show, which is a two-hour special, commercial-free really important it is uh, we have four people from all different walks of life um, that have had the federal government kick their doors down one way or another Mm. atf irs uh fbi they've all come in and they were manhandled um and what did they do what did they do right what did they do wrong mike lee is going to be joining us as the constitutional expert to be able to say they violated this section of the Constitution. Mm. And then we have attorneys with us who have fought some of these cases and the whistleblower from the FBI who would not do a raid because he said, this is out of control and unconstitutional. We're going to give you the step by step. The ATF comes knocking at your door. How do you handle it? The FBI comes kicking down your door. How do you handle it? and the resources you need um, to use the Constitution as a shield. It's sad to think that we need that show. Um, it's crazy. But we do. But we do. Um, they're still doing the uh, 30 bucks off special. Uh, if you do blazetv.com slash midterms, use the promo code midterms, you can get 30 bucks off. Uh, join us tonight for more election discussion and next week for this show that is yeah. unfortunately important. Glenn, thanks for coming. Thank on. you. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be a lot worse if you're not working with the right agent. Uh, We just spoke with Glenn Beck. He started a company many years ago called realestateagentsitrust.com. And basically, it was built out of necessity. Uh, He had been moving all across the country. Uh, This is what you do in radio. Uh, You get in radio and you you move to a new place. You buy a house. You're there for like 18 months and you get fired and you have to go to a whole new city. Uh, So this happens. You get really, really acquainted with a good and bad real estate uh, experience. 
realestateagentsitrust.com hopes to kind of like make you an expert without having to do any of the work. They'll go through the agents. They will, they will screen them. They will find the agents with the best results and get you the best agent, whether you're buying or selling a home, no matter where you are in the country. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find the best agent for you. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Perhaps the biggest story of the night was in a blowout in Florida. Ron DeSantis, the winner of his race in Florida over dopey Charlie Crist. Now, Crist is one of the worst candidates you're ever going to see, but that's not really the story here. DeSantis, who came into office with a 0.4% victory, 0.4%, wound up winning by about 20 points. Uh, this is above the highest polls that had um, looked at this race, and I think the highest one I saw was 15. He winds up winning by 20. Marco Rubio wins by, I think, 18. Just a dramatic, dramatic win, and it, and it sends a big signal for the presidential primaries coming up. DeSantis wants to make his case as he's the guy, maybe instead of Trump or you know, any one of the other people who want to jump in. And look, big-time Republican money is going to see this as a really good argument. And this is a, a, a state that's been purple forever. And to win it this, this dramatically is going to be a strong argument for DeSantis to make his mark in the primary as a potential 2024 nominee. And look, a lot of people are saying, well, I don't know if he'll run if uh, Trump runs. You know, look, you don't get another chance at this. You're never the cool guy twice. You just go, you gotta go for it. If, you're, if this is your time, you gotta just go for it. This is obviously the time for DeSantis. And look, you know, May the best man win, right? If he can't, if he can't beat Trump, he doesn't deserve the job. And if he thinks he can't beat Trump, maybe he shouldn't be president of the United States, right? Like, you got to have some sort of ego to run for that gig. So we will see. Uh, everyone expects DeSantis to run, but he won't announce. I wouldn't think at least until uh, later in the summer. Back in a second. We've been brainwashed into believing the only way to grow our money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market. But that's not true. You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risk. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. The retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. And I can tell you, as a person who uh, maybe has dabbled in the world of cryptocurrency, they can't make that case. Sometimes there's down years. Sometimes there's down months and weeks and days. Wow, is it down another 20% this hour? I don't know. Look, it's fun to have some crypto. It's not the, the right thing to protect your retirement per se. Uh, you look for something that can give you guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, no skill, no guesswork required. The plan doesn't go backward when the markets tumble. Both your principal and growth are locked in. I wish I had that for my crypto accounts. This is tax-free retirement income, and you're in control of it. You get access to your money for any purpose, no questions asked, and without government penalties or restrictions on how much you can take or when you can take it. Try doing that with a 401k or IRA or your crypto. Not going to happen. Get yourself some peace of mind today with Bank on Yourself. You can get a free report with all the details on how the Bank on Yourself strategy adds guarantees, predictability, and control to all of your financial uh, dealings. Go to bankonyourself.com slash stew. Bankonyourself.com slash stew. It's bankonyourself.com slash stew. Just want to tell you that you have only, a, I don't know, maybe a few hours, a couple days. I'm not sure exactly when they're cutting it off to subscribe to Blaze TV for 30 bucks off. They're still running that special. BlazeTV.com slash midterms. The promo code is midterms. 
If you saw the coverage last night, it was a lot of fun. A little crazy at times, I will admit. But it was a hell of a lot different than any coverage you saw on mainstream media. If you want more of that, blazetv.com slash midterms. Promo code is midterms. Save yourself 30 bucks. In just a few minutes on the network are going to be coming up on Glenn Beck's special tonight. You don't want to miss it if you want more election talk. I know David Barton's going to be on. He's going to go through all of the ballot initiatives around the country. A lot of crazy stuff went on there as well. Don't miss it. Uh, it's uh, on Blaze TV, of course. BlazeTV.com slash midterms. Promo code midterms. Save 30 bucks. We will see you tomorrow. I'm going to go get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs>